I love scotch. 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 Yep. Have another whiskey. If you'd like to speak to me in person, press one. If you'd like to order drugs, press hash. <laughs> I had a gentleman in the crowd that was like, tell me how to drink Glenfiddich. And I was like, I will not do that. Yep. You drink Glenfiddich how you want to drink Glenfiddich. Wear a cowboy hat in Los Angeles and look at the amount of looks you get. Yeah, it's unbelievable. This is the most flamboyant city on earth. You wear a cowboy hat, people look at you like you are yep. like an alien. The Beatles came on and they like, picked me up on his shoulder. George Harrison is as close to me as that wall now. I went, all right, George, all right. And he went, cough. <laughs> and that was the closest <laughs> I ever came to the Beatles. We have a whiskey while we- Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Cheers. So welcome back to United States of Dramerica. This one will be a little bit different. I'm delighted to have on the show, Master Kemmer. Hey guys, how you doing? So, do I have to call you Master Kemmer all the way through or can I call you by your first name? I don't know what the rules are. Yes, you have to call me Master Kemmer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You can call me Brandon. <laughs> so, actually, I, I'm going to keep Master Kemmer. I rather like it. So, um, Master, Master Kemmer is a fifth dan black belt in karate. He is the owner of Cutting Edge Karate and Krav Maga. He is my son's karate teacher and in about eight hours time will become my karate teacher. So exciting. it's very exciting. So I think the first question has to be, um, just because this is the question we ask everyone at the beginning at the moment is, how are you and how are your family during all of what's gone on? You know, it's been crazy, right? This is, this, this is unprecedented. We've never gone through anything like this. So um, we um, uh, had to close our business um, back in March, and I had to make a pivot to, to Zoom classes and do all online classes because um, we had to close our physical location. So, um, you know, there, there was definitely a good amount of uh, drop-off of students and definitely hit that hard. So let's talk about martial arts. So you're... Um, you're Fifth Dan Black Belt Karate. So um, there's lots of different types of, of martial arts. Can you tell us what your sort of specialty is? And actually just tell us your, your journey in martial arts. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. So I've been doing karate since I was six. Um, it's a style called American Tong Sudo, which uh, if you know Chuck Norris, that's the Chuck Norris style, right? He, he created, a, he, created he, he trained in the, uh, I believe it was the Air Force back in Korea. And then he brought it back to America and he trained in a bunch of different styles and created American Tong Sudo. And so then um, uh, I trained uh, under a guy named uh, Mr. Mark Cox. Uh, we started at the church at Rocky Peak, which is in Chatsworth. And they had a little program there. And uh, then we moved uh, to Chatsworth. He got his own location in Chatsworth. And I got my black belt under him uh, in, what was that, 94. So I was 10 years old when I got my black belt. So yeah. in four years, you went from beginner to, to black belt. Is that, is that normal or is that fast? For, for yeah, that's, uh, I would say that's about normal for a black belt, about four years. I think at my studio, it takes kids about five years to get their black belt and adults, yeah. maybe like three, maybe about four years for an adult to get a black belt. Yeah. Did you get into, I mean, you know, the answer doesn't have to be yes, but it'd be good if it was. Did you get into this because of Chuck Norris? <laughs> that is a good question too. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any kind of say in it, I guess. My parents just said, hey, you're doing this. They have a program at our church, so just go. And so I didn't really know who Chuck Norris was until later. And I was like, wow, that's cool that, that he's part of the lineage of 
of uh, this whole thing. Yeah. And so then after that, so once I um, uh, went to the church, we, I got my black belt there. My parents took me out of karate at that point, uh, right before I got my second degree black belt. And um, so then I uh, didn't do any karate for a while, for about four years. And then my brother, uh, who's about six years older than me, he started a, a business. He started cutting edge karate, right? And um, it was just an after school program at first. And then he said, hey, I need a teacher. And I'm like, he's like, do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I haven't done karate since I was a kid and I have no idea what I'm doing. So the first class, he throws me out there and he's like, well, you'll be fine. Just teach him this, right? And so I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing. He told me to teach him something I had no idea what to do. So my first experience teaching was trying to teach a classroom of about 40 kids how to do karate and I hadn't done it in four years. So I was like totally overwhelmed. I was so embarrassed. And then uh, after that, I started training and teaching more. And then, uh, uh, you know, the rest is just kind of, he, he stopped, uh, he, he didn't want to do it anymore. So he sold it to me in 2008. And uh, he became uh, like a CEO in some kind of other completely non-related field. And then um, I've been, it's been my place since 2008. So martial arts is more than just a normal sport. I mean, I, I did kickboxing when I was younger and I loved it. But it, there was something, I remember when I, I had my evening kickboxes class, so I did it when I was an adult, but on Saturday mornings, the, the four-year-olds would come in to do their kickboxing and they all line up in their, you know, their perfect white outfits and they're all bowing. And if they did anything naughty, the teachers had a way of controlling them, which wasn't the sort of shouting at them that we got at soccer training. It was something right. very different. And I remember thinking, if I ever have children, I want them to learn martial arts because it is more than just a physical activity. How yeah. do you see that sort of almost the non-sporting part of it? Perfect. I love that question, right? Uh, that's one of the hard things to try to um, educate parents on is a lot of parents think of it just as another activity that their kids are doing, right? It's just another sport, Right. So then a lot of parents can just kind of take it or leave it kind of thing. Okay. Um, but in reality, martial arts is a lot bigger than that, right? There's, it, we teach a lot of um, different life skills, like, like you were mentioning and the respect and the discipline aspect of it. Um, I, I love team sports too. I think those teach a lot of really great things also like teamwork and um, competitiveness and all of that. And I love that. Um, but martial arts is different. It teaches a lot of, uh, it, it's more individualized, right? And it teaches um, through hard work and training that you're going to get better and improve and achieve things, but also uh, that there's a specific way to act, right? And that you, uh, you know, have your respect for your elders and respect for your teachers and everything like that and for your fellow classmates. And, um, you know, it just helps center everybody and center children and stuff like that and tries to get their energy in a positive, move it towards a positive direction, right? And so... Um, you know, uh, the second aspect of that, so there's the, the, there's the personal and the personal growth side of it, but then the second aspect of that is going to be the self-defense side of it that you don't get anywhere else, right? You got to, it's my personal belief and why I'm teaching in the first place that I want to help people to be able to defend themselves if something happens, right? We live in an ever more crazy world where there's violence all around the corner and I want kids to have some tools and I want adults to have some tools to be able to uh, defend themselves if they need to know how to do that, right? And so if the situation ever arises, you know, uh, that's essential, right? So one of the things that um, my instructor says is you try to make yourself hard to kill, 
right? Well, and, um, you know, so there's going to be people out there who are better at hurting you than you are defending them. And so we're trying to decrease that number. Yeah. So it's interesting because every so often I get, my son's obviously doing the classes over Zoom at the moment, but he'll call me in and ask me to be his partner. And what I quite like is, you know, I have to try and choke him and then, you know, he elbows me in the head and knees me in the head, but then yeah. runs away. And that's sort of the part of it is the, you do enough to protect yourself in the wrong way. You don't just stay and then pummel yes. this person. Exactly. Which you'll find out, right, when you start your training, right? So we talk about that a lot, right, to where there's a specific moment where the person disengages, right? So if they're engaged and they're trying to hurt you still, then you got to do whatever it takes, right? If you feel like your life is in danger, you do what it takes to, to, to defend yourself. And that can be pretty brutal, right? That can be pretty brutal and violent actions that you need to take. However, if that person disengages and they're no longer a threat, it's time to go because that's ultimately what we, what we want to do. We want to get out. We want to get home safe, right? We don't want to stay in the action, right? And, uh, get an assault charge against us, right? Because then the bystander is going to be like, well, I don't know what I saw, but all I know that that guy was on top of that guy beating him to death, right? And uh, that other guy wasn't even defending himself, right? So we don't want that, right? We want to, okay, if it's, if it's a threat, we end, of the th we end the threat, and then we go home safe. So have you ever had to use your karate in real life? I have not. I've not uh, been in a fight. I've never uh, experienced that. I've, I've, all my fights have been on the mat. Uh, which have been pretty brutal too, right? But not necessarily in on the street, right? I've had a lot of different altercations that could have gone there. Um, but in martial arts, we also teach a lot of de-escalation and how to avoid fights because ultimately we don't want to be in the fight because there's too many variables, right? What if the person has a gun? What if the person has a knife or a different weapon on them, right? What if they have friends with them, right? So there's too many variables and most of the time it's just not going to be worth it if you can avoid the fight we need to avoid the fight and we only defend ourselves as if it's absolutely necessary and if it has to go there. Absolutely. So, yeah. So let's, let's, in relation to that, let's talk about Krav Maga. So yeah. Krav Maga has gone through this over the last maybe five years. Everyone's become slightly obsessed with it. Yeah. An Israeli self-defense technique which is now turned into a huge business in America. Tell me about how Krav Maga became part of what you offer. Off, uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. So we, um, I love Krav Maga. First of all, it's really changed my perspective completely in martial arts, right? Doing, uh, doing Krav Maga, right? I've been doing it for about four years now. And um, the, uh, it's still under my, uh, my karate instructor, Mr. Cox. So he started a program, he started training in Krav Maga back in 97. And um, I, uh, I initially didn't want to do it, right? I initially didn't want to do it because from everything that I was seeing, from everything that I was hearing about it, was it's uh, something that doesn't have details associated to it. It was just kind of like go, 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 drive, drive, drive. And, and, and to me, it was kind of like almost like a mindless martial art, right? That was my perspective when I was first getting into it, right? Uh, well, well, from the outside, I should say, okay? Um, so then um, over the years, I, I, I knew that it was really good for your self-defense. And um, to be honest, at the time, the Tong Sudo side, the karate side of things, uh, is not necessarily known for having very strong self-defense, right? And so I felt like that was a weakness, a little bit of a weaker area of mine, right? 
And so you, I was like, okay, you know what? Let me just take some classes. I'm just going to take some classes just to kind of like help my self-defense and we'll go from there. I didn't have any intention of going up through ranks or anything. I just wanted to, you know, get some experience in it, right? So once I started tr training in it, I started realizing that the way that I approach my karate, because I'm a super insanely detail-oriented person, right? I will break down moves into their like really smallest bits. And I love that. And I love knowing the intricacies of all of it. And um, I didn't think that was Krav. So then the way that Krav approaches their self-defense, right? The way that somebody's choking you and, and the way that you take away a gun from somebody and the way you def defend a knife has all these great details and it's super specific on how to do it. And it's all based on concepts, right? Rather than just like a pattern of moves, right? And so then um, once I, once that changed in my brain to know that, okay, wait, there is a lot of details here that I'm missing out on. And there, I could be much, I could be a much better teacher and give much people much better tools if I can uh, get some of that. So then I started getting very excited about it. Were you better at it than an average person as a beginner? Because you, by that stage, were already a, you know, a black belt in karate. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, there definitely. Um, it was, uh, there were certain things that were very easy to pick up that are very similar to karate. However, there was um, a lot of things that you do in karate that are very different in Krav, right? Where karate is very based on balance and staying upright and keeping your weight over your hips all the time. Whereas Krav Maga, they do a lot of falling in and driving forward to where you're off balance and landing on people, right? And so, um, for me, going from karate to that, that was one of my biggest, uh, uh, hardest transitions was to, to, to get that, okay, I can't have my weight always centered. I need to use them as, and fall in at them to get there quicker. Because if I'm going to take away a gun from somebody, if I'm upright, I can't get there fast enough. So if I drive my, if I fall into it and drive my weight forward before my feet step, then I can get to the gun faster. Because I know that, you know, from the outside, certainly, if, if you said to your average person in the street, what's Krav Maga? They'll say, isn't that that Israeli thing where you kick people in the groin? Yes. <laughs> I mean, and in fact, there's, there's a Krav Maga studio halfway between my house and your studio. And it says in their parking lot, they've got, you know, if you park here, we will tow your car and kick you in the groin. So they're obviously there you go, right? yeah. <laughs> Presumably yeah. there is more to it than that. There's a lot more to it than that. That's actually a big part of it. We kick a lot of groins in, in Krav Maga, because uh, that's a great tool, right? That's a great tool. It's a very easy thing to teach. That's one of the great things about Krav. It's very based on instinct and what's, what's there, what's available, what's open, right? And uh, so, so, yes, that's a huge part of it, but there's so much more to it than that. There's the weapons defense, defending against guns and knives and sticks and open hands and stuff like that. And, and there's a lot of groundwork if someone takes you down to the ground to get back up to your feet to go. So there's, there's a lot of um, uh, things in there that um, has really helped me as a martial artist uh, evolve. So just going back to the sort of karate side of things, talk me through the Dan process once you get to black belt, because this is something Perfect, that, yeah. Yeah, people read this sort of somebody's a third Dan or a fifth Dan. Obviously, you got to black belt in four years, but obviously it doesn't, it doesn't stop there, obviously. Exactly right. Yeah. So the black belt. So every style is going to have their different uh, meaning for black belt, right? So um, for us, a black belt has pretty much gotten down the basic curriculum of everything. 
Um, they know how to, they know pretty much the moves of American songs to know how to kick, how to punch. They know all the forms. They're proficient in their basics and stuff like that. Right. Um, but the dance system. So once you move from first and second and third and fourth, right. At fourth degree, you're a master, right. That's when you get the title master. Um, and, uh, that takes, many years, a lot longer than it takes to get a first degree, right? A first degree is four years, but every degree that you go up to until fifth, it's what belt you're going for. So if I go first to second, that's two years. Second to third is three years of training. Three to four is four years of training, right? So by the time that you're go to master, that's four, that's seven, that's, uh, that's nine years to go from first to, to fourth, right? So the way that I like to explain is a, is a master should be their master of their basics, right? And then the First degree black belt is more like proficient, right? So if you think about it like school, right? Like you just finished maybe high school getting your black belt and then getting your master's, getting like your master's degree. And then as you go up higher, like you go to seventh stand, which is grandmaster, you get like your doctorate or something like that, right? So it's, there's so much more to learn. And that's actually when you get good at it, right? So if I'm, I, I grew more from first degree to second degree than I grew from white belt to black belt. And then from second degree to third degree, I noticed another huge growth. And then third degree to fourth degree, another huge growth. Because you already, a lot of it you already know, and you're just improving on and getting better and getting a deeper understanding of. And when you say grow, do you mean just the sort of proficiency in martial arts, but also, or is it also the sort of spiritual part of it as well? It's a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a mental growth. It's a, it's a physical growth. It's a spiritual growth. It's kind of everything, right? We don't get into a lot of like, um, like some styles will get into the very spiritual side of it, right? Which uh, is a lot of the Asian ones, right? Uh, like all the meditating and stuff. So we don't do a lot of that, but um, you will see a lot of um, just mental growth to where you just, um, you know, you just understand and, and your worldview kind of changes, right? And so you, uh, you grow uh, in your discipline and your control and your self-control and all of that kind of stuff. We, we do these things in class called mat chats where we do um, different um, life skills discussions, right? So in adult, adult class, we might talk about, um, we might talk about, uh, you know, healthy eating or something like that, or like what to put in our body and what makes us uh, efficient, right? Because our physicality is also part of our self-defense, right? So if we can uh, put ourselves in a better, in better shape to where we can last longer in a fight, that should help us, right? If we're stronger, that should help us with our self-defense, right? So um, we might work on that. In a kid's class, we might work on, uh, you know, a respect discussion or a discussion about uh, bullies and things like that and, like, how to handle that, right? And so, yeah, so it is a personal growth thing mixed with the proficiency in being able to defend yourself. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think, I think the first class that my son did, you know, I was watching from the side and I had this chat halfway through and started talking about bullying and I texted my wife saying, we're going to, we're going to keep doing this now. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously I'm, I'm glad we have. And now he's inspired both me to do it. Also my daughter, my youngest daughter now wants to join. So you may have three awesome. of our family. How old is she? She is five. Perfect. That's great. So she's keen to do it as well. Um, so look, this is my Silicon City question. Martial art films. So yes. I, when I was a kid, I loved it. I watched all of them. Um, yes, I loved it too. So I was going to say, was watching while you were going, you know, between the ages of six and 10, which is perfect age to be watching sort of Jackie Chan and Bruce oh, Lee and all that sort of stuff. Were you watching all of those while you were learning? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I used to play these games with my friends where we just uh, we decide like who who got to be which martial arts star. Like, oh, I want to be Chuck Norris, right? Because Chuck Norris coming from our system was like the person to be, right? Like, oh, I'm Chuck Norris. I'm Chuck Norris. It's like, okay, fine, I'll be Bruce Lee, right? And so then we would have these like imaginary fights with Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee and stuff. And uh, but yeah, I loved the uh, you know Jet Li and Jackie Chan and you know Bruce Lee movies. I I loved watching those things. Yeah, and then we would just make up all these epic fight scenes and stuff, and it was great. So one of the most interesting fight scenes I ever saw as a kid is the one with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, fighting. Have you seen this one? Um, Who did he fight again? He was fought it? Bruce Lee. Yes, yeah. okay, they, yeah, I've seen that, yep. And they're wearing yeah. sort of yellow suits. It's very iconic, and um, I would, I've showed my son that as well. But what I found fascinating about that is I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, this guy's six foot ten, whatever it is. Yes, fighting. exactly. And then also, I remember looking it up when I was younger once, a number of sportsmen in sort of what you would call normal sports who did martial arts. Yeah. Um, and you see it. So um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who used to play for the Galaxy. Yeah. The black belt in, I can't remember which of the disciplines. And you could sort of see it on the picture. He scored a couple of goals, which were basically kicks. You know, we had his uh, up above his head spinning. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there's a few other ones who've done it and I think it gives you I imagine the discipline but also the physicality to play other sports it does it really does yeah I'm a proponent of um, you know kind of being well-rounded right so not just doing one thing necessarily if you can if you're able to balance and have multiple things that you can do it's just going to make you more well-rounded right so I mean while I was growing up I did um, I did karate I did baseball I did um, volleyball I did um uh, I was big in gymnastics. Mm. I loved gymnastics. That helped me a lot with uh, just my overall athleticism. And, um, you know, so I, I had a lot of different things. And that really helps you just become a, uh, a much better athlete in general. Yeah. Yeah. So on movies, again, the, this is not meant to be a silly question. I remember watching the, the sort of the Kung Fu Panda series. Yes. With the kids. Do you, Skadoosh. Obviously. It's fun, but there's proper martial arts messaging in there. There is, yeah. yeah. What's your view on that sort of series for sort of as a way of trying to secretly teach kids about martial arts? I think that's great. I think that's great. Any, any, all the angles that they can get it, and every time that that happens, it makes people more interested in joining martial arts classes, right? So, um, you know, any big movie, like when The Karate Kid came out with Jaden Smith, the new Karate Kid came out, right? That was a big one. People started coming to more, you know, we got more calls and people started joining. So I think a lot of that is really good because it does give them the different messages that a lot of times we do teach in, um, in class. Uh, but it also gives them, it piques their interest in saying, hey, maybe, maybe we should do karate too. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't be in this if I didn't think that everybody could benefit from this, right? This is, I think everybody should do martial arts every, every age because it has so many benefits to it that people don't, you know, even necessarily think about, right? So it's like, oh, that's maybe just too violent for me and stuff like that, right? Or whatever it is, right? Um, which is not, that's not what the core of it is. It's not about being violent. It's about, you know, all the other stuff that we already talked about. So at your, it's really interesting that movies peak your people trying to join your classes. That's, yeah, it's really interesting. So just in terms of adults that you teach, who are you? Te are you teaching young fit people who want to fight in competitions, or 
slightly overweight middle-aged people who are <laughs> wanting to protect themselves? What's your sort of adult demographic? Right. Uh, as of right now, uh, it's, a, it's very mixed, actually. I'd say um, we have some young adults. Uh, we have some teenagers. Uh, we have, uh, I think our oldest student right now is 60-something. Um, 60-something, okay. yeah. So we have some older students, too. We have uh, a couple middle-aged uh, students also. So we get, a, you know, some in their 40s, um, some in their 30s. Yeah, so we, we have a big mix. You know, it's, it's a good mix. Yeah, and so then a lot, we have a lot of kids too. So I'm going to take advantage of my podcast to get some uh, to get your view on this because you have to tell the truth on the podcast. That's okay, here we go. So, you know, <laughs> I am uh, 42 and a half, nearly 43. Um, yeah. Not in terrible shape, not in amazing shape, slightly overweight. I haven't done any martial arts for maybe 10 years. Okay. I did kickboxing, but maybe only for six months before. Uh-huh. How hard am I going to find this? And realistically you know is am i too old to be getting to black belt levels oh absolutely not anybody at any age can do it right because like i said it's an individual thing right martial arts is an individual thing so uh you know if you have uh, injuries or if you have um you know certain uh, things that hold you back a little bit right we can work around that because martial arts isn't about like necessarily you have to be able to do all of these things and so if you're you know, um, if you have this dis disabled arm, we can't do it, right? It's not like that, right? It's very individual and we work around things that, that um, you know, might hold you back. And then as far as the, um, the part where you're saying that, oh, how hard is this gonna be? It all depends on how much, how, what kind of shape you're in right now. So if you do nothing, right? And all you do is just kind of sit on the couch and drink whiskey all day, right? Then it might be, uh, <laughs> it might be kind of hard at first, right? But that's where the mental growth is, right? That's where you're like, okay, what do I do here? Do I quit or do I keep going when things get hard? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I play soccer once a week when we're not under quarantine. And, um, oh, perfect. I obsessively walk 10,000 steps every single day. Um, oh, there you go. So you should be fine. In 100 degrees is a bit more fun. <laughs> than um, very good. Now, look, you mentioned whiskey. Obviously, it's a whiskey podcast. We should talk about whiskey. So, obviously, you, you know, you're a a highly trained, highly honed fighting machine. But you obviously eat <laughs> you healthily go. and look after yourself, but right. you also enjoy whiskey when you're not fighting. That's great, yeah. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned it. Uh, yeah, I, um, I have just actually recently started drinking a little bit more, right? So I have not really drank much at all like, throughout my whole life. Um, every now and then I'll have like little drinks here and there. Uh, but really since kind of like the beginning of the uh the quarantine it's been like okay i'm gonna like you know try some more stuff here right so um so i've really just kind of recently just kind of drink, started drinking a little bit since uh since the quarantine started i, think you're, I don't think you're the only person who started drinking a little bit more i don't think so i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> i got this one this bottle here that you gave me though this is really good oh yes yeah so i got you uh we got you a thank you bottle for um getting uh, yeah. my son to his yellow belt. Um, yeah. Alexander Murray, Highland Park, one of my, yeah. my favourites. Very good. Now that, um, good. I'm conscious of time. So normally we've got this final question we ask every guest, but before we get to the final one, I just want to ask you another one first. Have you met Chuck Norris? Of interest? I have actually, yeah, I have. I've, I met him uh, at a book signing once. Wow. And uh, he, uh, he was... Um, 
at, let's see, I forget, I think his, his book is called Against All Odds, I believe. Okay. And um, it was at the Barnes and Noble when it was over in uh, on the Northridge Mall, right? In Northridge, California, right? And so I went over there and uh, I brought up, because uh, uh, my instructor's instructor is a man named uh, Dennis Ichikawa, which is another person that I train under too. And um, Chuck Norris taught him, right? So I brought him up and I said, hey, I'm a student of Dennis Ichikawa's. And he's like, oh, Dennis, yeah, tell him I said hi and everything. And, you know, so uh, I was so excited to meet him. That was probably 10 years ago. Wow. But yeah, I, I got to meet him. Because I know there's a whole thing about never meet your heroes, but was, was he what you expected him to be? He was shorter than I expected. <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was super nice. I've always heard he's a nice guy. He's, he's a, a good Christian man. And he, uh, he uh, you know, I just really respect him because I'm a, I'm a Christian also. And so I relate to him and can, uh, I look up to him in more ways than just his martial arts, I, I guess you could say, right? And so um, meeting him was really powerful for me, even though it was a couple of seconds and I got to just chat with him just for those few seconds. That was that was really cool. I, funny story real quick. I had a, when I was a kid, I had convinced myself that I met him and I would tell everybody a story. I was probably like eight to 10 years old, right around there. And I came up with this big elaborate story about how I, because I, I used to be in the entertainment business that I went uh, to on this job and Chuck Norris was there and he was like over, you know, doing this thing over here. And I walked up to him and me and him had this like big conversation and everything. It never happened. It never happened. <laughs> I completely made it up and I convinced myself that I had met him. And before long, I started get, second guessing myself and being like, did I actually do that? Right. And, I, and then after a while, I, was, I realized like, I think I made that story up. <laughs> I was probably 10 years old when that, right. Amazing. Well, at least you got to meet him eventually then. So. I know. Yeah. Uh -huh. So when yeah. you you worked in entertainment, were you the sort of the classic LA child actor? I was like an extra. Yeah, I did a lot of print work. So I was in a lot of like magazines and then I was an extra. So I was in a lot of films like Twins and with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Jingle All the Way. And that was another Arnold Schwarzenegger one. I was in Life with uh, Michael Keaton, right? Just a background extra. Yeah. Brilliant. And then but nothing to do with martial arts? Um, no, I did try out for the, th for the Three Ninjas. I tried out for Colt in the three ninjas but i didn't get that you know i think i tried out for three ninjas three wow yeah you, but okay. I didn't, you, yeah. you did the extra and then that that was just you did that when he was a kid and then you stopped or did you have aspirations uh, to, uh i think i stopped that when i was about 13 some somewhere around there the last show i did was friends which was really cool <laughs> yeah that was the last last job i ever did so i got to meet the whole cast of friends that was really fun Amazing. Yeah. What was, what was, what were you, what were you just drinking? You can't have been drinking coffee, can you? So what were you doing in Friends? What was I doing in Friends? In Friends, uh, there was an episode where um, it was the one, it, it's funny because my scene got cut from the, from the streaming services. But if you buy the DVDs, my scene is still in the DVDs, right? But there was a scene where uh, Ross uh, is at like a magazine stand and he's buying like a dirty magazine. And then, uh, then Rachel's like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Like, it's good to see you. It was like, it's like kind of like the one that could have been. So they, they're it's like an alternate reality, right? And he's like, like this dirty magazine. She's like, what are you doing with your busty ladies, right? And he's like, oh, this isn't mine. And he walks over and he hands it to me, right? <laughs> she's like, this, I was just getting it for a kid, right? Here you go. Right, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. 
That's great. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got the extra question in. So look, now for the real final question, yeah, which is if you could drink any whiskey with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? What would it be? Ooh. And where would it be? Wow, that's a good question. I'd have to think about that one for a little bit. Uh, so as far as the whiskey is concerned, like I said, I'm, I'm fairly new to drinking, so I would, uh, just let, I would be, I would let them choose. Right. <laughs> and, uh, oof, a person to meet, to have a drink with, that would be, um, that would be a, an interesting question right there. I could, I could see a lot of different people. Um, if I kept it in the martial arts realm, I would like to, uh, sit down and have a drink with, uh, I mean, Chuck Norris would be amazing. So then I could just have, you know, have that conversation. Um, you know, even some of uh, the UFC stars would be really cool to have a, a drink with like, uh, like Chuck Liddell would be awesome. Uh, you know, George St. Pierre, I think mm. that would be awesome. Just, just quickly on UFC, this is sort of going away from my usual question. Is UFC good for martial arts, bad for martial arts? Um, I think it's great. I think it's good. Yeah, I think, um, you know, some people will say it's too violent and all that kind of stuff. And it's like uh, a brutal thing, right? But as a martial artist who's been in it all my life, I don't see that side of it, right? I just see it as, okay, if, if two guys are in agreement that they want to go as hard as they can, right? And, and go, because there's still rules. There's still a lot of rules in, in, in UFC that, you, that protect the fighters. And, uh, you know, I like hitting hard. I like going hard also. I'm, I don't necessarily go all out, you know, with anybody because, you know, I still want to keep all my brain cells and stuff. So, but, you know, there's been times where I have been like, you know, what I do, I would like to fight in the cage or something like that, but I just have never done it. But I think it's good because it does, uh, it, it, sometimes uh, competition can do that for people. It's something that they're working towards, right? And something that um, people need goals to reach and things that they, they want to look forward to. And for some people that may be tournaments or some people that may just be a personal thing. But for other people, it could be competition, right? And, and reaching those higher levels of, of training because, you know, if you're a UFC fighter, they're going to be able to do some damage if somebody tried to hurt them. You know, absolutely. I remember the yeah. old days. This is going back maybe ten years. The, the beginning of all of this, where they would mix people of different disciplines together. And there's an extraordinary video I saw of basically a sumo wrestler fighting against um, <laughs> some kind of very small, agile, very proficient, sort of traditional martial artist. And it was yeah. an intriguing battle where the big guy yeah. was just sort of swinging around, and the little guy was doing all his these moves. I can't remember who won, but it made for quite interesting, very watched YouTube video. Oh yeah. Back in the day, they didn't have any rules. Like it was brutal. And that you could have any size against any other size. Right. That was back in the hoist Gracie days. Right. He was, he was, um, he was just a little guy, but he took on some huge people. And when you don't have any rules and they didn't know any jujitsu at the time, they didn't know how to ground fight at all. Like that's gonna, that's gonna be crazy. How does it work if you're good at one martial art? You know, if you're fifth dan at, in karate, if you then decide to do Wing Chun or Jiu Jitsu, you know, is it is there a lot of unlearning or is it a, a relatively obvious sort of sideways move? You know, that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's a there's some styles that kind of work together pretty well, right? So if I was going over to like Taekwondo or Hapkido or 
uh, another style, certain, there's certain styles that, that kind of complement each other that are very similar. It'd be very easy, right? You mentioned Wing Chun. I tried Wing Chun. Wing Chun's totally different, right? So for me going to Krav Maga, that was very different. Also, there's a lot of things that are the same, but a lot of the concepts and a lot of the way that you do them are different, right? So that was, there was a lot of things in Krav Maga that I either had to do differently or it was just completely new concepts for me. So it wasn't easy on, on some of the things. Um, a ground art like wrestling or, or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is going to be completely different from anything that you do standing up. So there won't be a lot that relates, right? So, but I have been grappling. I have been doing ground work for a long time since I was a kid. Um, but I haven't had any formal training in jiu-jitsu. So, but there's, if it was strict stand-up and you weren't, like if you were a kickboxer and then all of a sudden you went and trying to learn Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there's not going to be a lot that's going to relate. And it's going to be, you're just going to be like any other newbie, you know? Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Very yeah. good. Look, Master Kemmer, thank you very much for your, for your time and your insights. You're welcome. This is fun. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Of course. Mm, I love scotch. Scotch. And don't forget to not just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at US of Dramerica, but also ask us questions and comment and say nice things. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if the mood takes you, you can leave us a review as uh, feedback is always welcome. And drink whiskey. Sláinte